Welcome. Today, I want to talk to you about something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I had a broken foot in two places. Say again? I had a broken foot in two places. Okay. And one of my leaders came up and she prayed for it. And uh, she prayed for it three times. Each time it got better and better. And the third time, I was holding my boot and jumping. What? Come on, man. Thanks, God. But I haven't because, well, when we talk about spiritual gifts, the biggest problem that I just face with trying to teach people about walking in the Holy Spirit is that they want to learn a lot of stuff, but not do a lot of stuff. Look, it's easy. I get it to sit, listen, get excited, talk all that about things. However, today we're going to make a deal going into this teaching. If you want to consume what I'm about to give you, you're going to, by the end of all of this, have to make a commitment and do something with it. Because to be honest with you, the reason we see so few people walk in the Holy Spirit powerfully is that there are so few people stepping out in faith in great manners. When all of Israel stood before the Red Sea, Moses was the only one really to walk forward, right? He was the one to split the sea out of all the people. But we're living in a time like this where God is raising a generation of people, not just a leader, a generation to walk in the Holy Spirit and in power. And if you're part of that generation, then what we're talking about here today is for you. But I'm going to call you. I'm going to challenge you to a deeper walk in your faith to actually walk out faith. I want to begin this with saying we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts in of itself is something that is a subject that is exciting yet dangerous, because if we want to delve into this, we have to do so responsibly to not repeat the mistakes of our ancestors of the past. See, there's been many churches, denominations, movements who in past times have really delved into spiritual gifts, taught them all this. But there has been so much abuse, misuse, uh, walking out improperly of things, which really brings God's name in vain. So let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Marvel, the, the superhero universe, which so many of us love? What is it with people and watching Hollywood movies and shows about others with superhuman abilities being heroes? Right? Like there's something about that that really captivates the human heart. And I want to submit to you that that idea of not just natural, but super nature, supernatural abilities, doing things that are the impossible. I mean, that's what a superhero is. We are looking to a superhero in all of what they can do because they're doing things that we by by human standards and nature cannot do. Where did Hollywood get that idea? Hollywood did not just get that idea from themselves conjuring something. No, they 
founded in the Bible. In fact, in the hearts of all of us, God has planted a desire, a reality that he has made us to do the impossible, not just that which is possible with man, but to walk in the spirit, to do that which is impossible for us, but possible with the almighty. And so when it now comes to a TV show like that, really, our heart is crying out for the reality of spiritual gifts, because what spiritual gifts are in, a, in their essence is it is the Holy Spirit given to a believer, empowering that believer as a vessel, a temple of the Holy Spirit to have a living water flow from them in the manifestation of gifts that are superhuman, supernatural. And the big difference is that it's not about us being the hero. It's not about us being the one who does. In fact, we are not the hero. There's only one hero in the story. The only hero is Yeshua, the Messiah, the one who has laid his life down for us. We don't deserve any of this. We don't deserve the gifts. We don't deserve the spirit. We don't deserve salvation. But yet he made us deserving through the work of the cross. So we're going to start out here with the humility to recognize that. And so then with that in mind, let's dive into some scriptures. James 4 verse 2. Why don't we walk in gifts? Because we don't ask. We don't seek. But if we seek, sometimes we seek with impure motives because we want it for ourselves instead of with the motive of building the kingdom of God. See, it's not about building a, a universe for yourself. It's about building the kingdom of God. Matthew 7, 11, if you then being wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should a father in heaven who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Right. So he is saying, look, this is his nature. He is like us, when we're fathers, we want to bless our children. He wants to bless us all the more. And so that demonstrates to us that he actually wants us to walk in spiritual gifts. He wants us to be empowered. That is not a question that we should have. The question rather is, what do you want? And are you really hungry for that? And how hungry are you really? Are you hungry enough to walk in the spirit? to make big sacrifices in order to do so. It is imperative for me to remind you that we can talk about spiritual gifts and things of that nature until we're blue in the face. But if your intimacy with God is not where it's supposed to be, nothing else matters. We have to, as you're sitting there listening to me, you have to ensure that your relationship with God is strong. Otherwise, the gifts will destroy you. This is why there are all of these warnings in Scripture. See, Yeshua, for example, he taught us in Matthew 7, verse 22. Many will say to him, Master, Master, have we not done all these spiritual gifts, these miraculous things in your name? Have we not prophesied, caused our demons and then many mighty works in your name? And then he will say to them, I never knew you depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. 
So that's a, that's a crazy thought. Now, the cessationist camp have used this to condemn those who walk in the spirit as that they are doing lawlessness. But that's an improper use of the text. The warning here is that we should not walk in the spirit and walk in lawlessness. He's not saying we shouldn't walk in the spirit. He's saying and he's not even saying that that is an indicator of lawlessness. He's saying that we shouldn't think that walking in the Holy Spirit is going to be our excuse excuse for being lawless. This has been the excuse of many. See, you can easily think that just because I did a miracle today and someone got healed and someone got delivered by through me that I can tomorrow sleep with my girlfriend and it's okay because well, obviously God is all right with me since he's using me in this or that way. See, that's the mistake that so many people make. Here's the reality. God will use you despite you. God will use you despite the fact that you're imperfect. He will use you despite the fact that your theology isn't perfect. Why? Because he's more concerned with reaching people, saving people, delivering people than anything else. And he's going to he's concerned with your salvation. He's concerned with your uh, right standing with him. But don't take him using you as an indicator that all is right with your salvation or your right standing with him, because clearly it is possible through the scriptures and through even examples that are in real life that you can be used by God, but yet live a lawless life. And so we must be sure to ensure that our we're approaching these gifts, not because we're trying to work towards God, not because we're trying to to become more popular, accepted by man, uh, uh, fitting in, finding a place that uh, finally finding our feet in the body or whatever. We come to these because it's a joy to walk in the word of God and to do what he has called us to do. But we're not doing it so that he accepts us. We're not doing it so that we get justification or salvation. You know, this this sounds kind of obvious, but when you actually start walking this out and some people because they're not healthy entering this spiritually what happens is they use these and their performance in ministry as they're indicated with their right standing with God so then when something goes wrong in ministry and sometimes things do go wrong in ministry sometimes we what we anticipate doesn't happen and things don't go the way we planned and when those things happen not the way we planned, we can use that as a reflection of our relationship with God, when in reality, it's usually not that simple. It can be. But if we attach it to that and we attach our performance and ministry to how much God loves us, how much we're accepted and how saved we are, you're going to be bouncing in and out of confidence and who you are in Christ instead of finding out your relationship with Christ as him being your Messiah, him dying for you, him setting you straight in your relationship with God. Instead, now you're back to relying on your own works, whether it's works of the law or works of the spirit. It doesn't matter. You're relying on your works. You're relying on how well you've been used or how much you've been used today. And that's a dangerous place to be something we must flee from so that the enemy's voice will have no place in our mind. Now, here's the thing with fellowships and and guys, we're about to get into spiritual gifts. Don't worry, but we need to lay foundation. We have so many fellowships, so many 
people in this unity with one another. And the reason is because often there's a focus on the truth and there's a distancing from the Holy Spirit and works of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. And then what happens is you have all the truth, truth, truth. Well, you should do this. You should know better. Truth, 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 logic. Yes, black, white, all this. But then when it comes to the grace, the mercy, compassion and the the insight, discernment that the Holy Spirit gives into situations, into our relationships, into people, because that becomes less important, because the truth has come in at the expense of the Holy Spirit instead of worship and spirit and in truth, what happens is our, our fellowships become divided. But it is the spirit that binds us together in love. The Holy Spirit changes our fellowships forever. So if you've been part of a fellowship that split, this is probably why. Because you guys didn't pray for one another. You guys didn't minister to each other's needs. You likely didn't even know which needs there were. You guys didn't operate in your gifts and and first and foremost, those gifts are for the body to bless the body. And secondly, those gifts are for the as a sign to the unbeliever, for those outside the walls of the fellowship. And so now let's move into the gifts. Let's go through each and every one of them as an overview, unpack some of them. And I want you to if you have a Bible with you, open a 1 Corinthians 12 with me. This is where Paul lays out all of the spiritual gifts. And he makes clear that these gifts are are by the same spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers all of these gifts. Now, that's an interesting statement. He he makes that very clear because here's the problem. People view gifts wrongly. Oftentimes, in fact, just uh, this last week, a young man came to me, right? And, and he came with a good question and he said, well, you, PD, you when you pray, like there's something about like what God is doing with you, because when you pray, people just get healed like that's special. No one else see has that. And, and, and so he attributed it to me. He attributed it to my gift or my, my whatever anointing, whatever people, whatever language they want to use. And I had to stop him and explain to him that that's not a biblical way to look at things. Because, see, here's the reality of what a gift is. Even in this world, we think about it logically. But when it comes to spiritual things, we we somehow miss it. See, in the world, if I told you you're a gifted author or there's a there's a gifted a guy who's gifted at baseball or he's gifted at playing tennis or he's a gifted public speaker. All everyone knows what that means. Like like if I say someone is gifted in writing, no one is thinking, wow, he can write. That's amazing. No, we think, well, he can write many books. He's maybe an author. Maybe he's good. He's a good poet, right? He, but we all recognize that all of us can fill out a, a form. All of us can write a letter to our friend. If you went to school, you can do that basic thing because we are all of the same human mind with that ability. Right. But so of the spirit, it's the same thing of the same spirit. We all are if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that means that, yes, you can be gifted in the gift of healing. You can be gifted in the gift of interpretation of tongues or or prophecy. But we shouldn't be thinking of it as an well, that's that person's gift and no one else or no, I can't be used that way. 
In that way, we cut ourselves off from God's power. We don't have faith in him. We put him in a box. We say, God, you can't use me in this way or that way because of my weakness. God is looking to use you despite what you think. He doesn't really care about what you think regarding what you can do because the Holy Spirit is all about what you can't do. The whole point of everything here and the spiritual gifts are about these things. I mean, think about it. God is saying, go and lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. It's like, okay, right. Um, Go and, and speak in tongues. Okay. How do I do that? Like, is there an instruction manual for that or or go and whatever? And it's like, what do you mean, God? Like you're asking me to do things that are by definition impossible for me. So then it would be a good idea, don't you think, for us to not depend on ourselves since it's not of ourselves. And so now we have to recognize that, yes, you are going to be gifted in an area. Someone can be a gifted writer, but we can all write. So when a need arises, be open to the working of the spirit that he can use you even in the things you don't think are your gifts. Important, is it not? That is what he wants, a willing heart, an open heart for him to move freely. Now, let's talk about the first gift, the gift of healing. Many of us understand what that is. It's to lay our hands on the sick, see them recover. But that sickness can be physical, emotional, spiritual. God can instantly, miraculously heal someone physically, emotionally, spiritually. Many of you listening to me have had that happen. That is a reality. But that doesn't mean that is always going to look that way. Sometimes there's a process involved. Sometimes people uh, have a road, a journey that the father is taking them on. Sometimes he wants to teach and show them things in their process of healing. Other times that healing comes quickly and swiftly as a sign to them and everyone else and as for the glory of God. Just um, last week, I want to tell you about this story that happened with me. And this just shows the heart of the father and how Yeshua said um, what his heart is. See, there was a lady, a girl at one of the youth camps I was at. She came to me and, and this was one of the most beautiful encounters I've ever had. So I'm excited to share this. She came and she said, Petey, I need you to pray. And she's coming really with a contrite, broken heart. She says, I need you to pray for my family. She says, my dad, he's he's got he's on disability. He can't work. He's very burdened. He's very stressed about that. Like there's a lot going on there. And then she says, and my brothers, you know, and she's a she's a teenager, right? She's saying my brothers, you know, they're just fighting a lot with each other and and they don't get along well. And I just want there to be more peace in my house hold and and all this. And and I'm like, wow, like and I am thinking to the back of my mind, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, she's coming here. And she's not she's just asking for prayer for her family, her dad, her brothers and for unity in her family, healing in her family. Like, And I'm just thinking, wow, her heart is so beautiful. She's so selfless. Right. And then I pray for her. I just pray for her dad. I pray for her brothers and I just pray for her family. And this is what happens next. Amen, I say. And she looks to me and and I just wish I could show you her face. I don't have it on recording or anything, but she looks at me and her face is like shocked as in shocked can be. And she and she says and she starts crying and she says, 
my, I believe it was her hip. She says, my hip, like, I, 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 I had a hurt here, like a huge pain here, but it doesn't hurt anymore. And I didn't even ask for that. I didn't even ask you to pray for that. And I said, well, you don't need to because God sees all these things. And it's because of your concern for your family that he came for to heal you. And, and, and she she threw her hands up in the air. She says, thank you. Thank you to me first. I'm like, no, no, no. Thank God. I didn't even know about your your, you know, your physical issue. And she throws her hands up in the air and she says, oh, God, thank you, Yeshua. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And and after that, I was just reminded of how Yeshua's compassion is on the meek, the humble. That's why he ministered to the poor more than anyone else. The humble, contrite and heart saw more miracles than the proud and the, uh, the even the Gentiles, those who are cast off from the perspective of the first century Jewish mind, some obviously not all, you know, God came and he healed them. Yeshua spoke of them in compassion. That is his heart. And and so when we think about healing, that is what it really is. It is a demonstration of God's compassion and mercy. So we understand our authority. We understand that we are sons and daughters of the king. Now, here's what I need to touch on with 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 authority is you need to understand your authority if you want to walk in the spirit, because like you can be, you know, I'll just give you a, a short, shortened parable for you. If you are thinking of a, a king and he's walking through his city and everyone in the city knows he's a king, you know, he's coming through town, everyone gathers together and they're here to see the king come through. But he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know he's a king. Will the people not not look at him the same way as if he doesn't know he's a king compared to if he knew he was a king? See, in fact, people would even perhaps some might even try and steal his crown. Some might even come and take his authority, convince him that that crown is not his. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to strip us of our crown, our authority. So we don't know who we are anymore. We don't understand we're part of a royal family, an inheritance that God has left for us to walk in spiritual authority over unclean spirits, over sickness, over disease, over all of the works of the devil, which he, Yeshua says he's put under our feet now. And so that authority we must recognize. You have it, but it's a different situation as to whether you believe that and whether you understand that. Many people have authority they never exercise, and that's where the devil tries to have a feast with them. But if they only understood the authority Yeshua has given them, immediately the devil would flee because they would be like, Satan, what are you doing here? And the devil would flee because he would have a massive scare. See, demons are scared of us. We're, I'm not scared of demons. We're not scared of demons. We're not supposed to be anyway. Of course, the body sometimes is, but it's only because they've convinced us that they're more powerful than God, which is a lie. So we say that, but we don't always believe that. But let's start believing what we say and stop fearing the devil. Stop fearing his plans. Stop fearing his power, quote unquote. We give him so much power in not recognizing the power of God and the authority he's given us. 
Yeshua said, you will do the things I have done and greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That indicates because he's going to the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to come down. That is our seal of authority to do the will, the works of God. And that we must believe if we want to see him move in our midst. He has come to partner with us. He has come to not move independently. He wants to move well, he's come, he moves independently from us, but he desires to move with us. He desires to move in partnership with us. So let's move on to the, the next gift. We're going to go through these in a shortened form to go through all of them in this teaching. And in future teachings, we can go deeper. The next gift is the gift of miracles. Okay, the gift of or wonders. And this is simply like Moses had. He had the gift of miracles. That's what he got at the burning bush. That's why when he appeared, he had before Pharaoh, he had the staff turned into a snake. He had the staff, which he used to split the sea. So these are signs. Yeshua had a gift of miracles. Of course, Jesus turned water into wine. That is another demonstration of a gift of miracles as evidence of the truth that he is and proclaims you and and God uses this as typically it seems in scripture as as demonstrating authority that he is giving an individual if he's going to be using an individual as a mouthpiece like Moses or Yeshua he's giving them a gift of miracles to demonstrate as a sign to the people this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased listen to him right like at the Mount of Transfiguration that was uh, really what God hoped to do and did do with Yeshua. All right, next word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is for you to receive supernatural wisdom about a matter. It has nothing to do with how much experience you have. It has nothing to do with how old you are. It has nothing to do with any of that. And wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge is having information. Wisdom is knowing what to do with information. Okay, because it's one thing to have information, which is important and can be divinely inspired. However, it's a whole nother thing to know what to do with it. So, for example, you can have someone who is in bondage and who needs freedom. And but it is about having the Word, a word of wisdom to show them what they need to repent from, what they need to change. Perhaps even the way they're thinking is wrong, the way they they see things is wrong, the way they carry themselves in terms of their relationship with God is wrong, the way they see God is wrong. Whatever it is, oftentimes we believe lies and those lies give authority to the devil to put bondage in our lives. And so a word of wisdom can expose those lies in a way that mere knowledge could not. And that sets people free for them to be healed. This is always ironic to me because um, when you think about Tim the book of Timothy, Paul writes, says, do not let anyone despise your youth because Paul recognizes that God can give a spiritual gift of wisdom to a young person, which would which would use them as a vassal. Look, man, you can be here's the, here's just a reality. Listen to me carefully here. You can be one of the most knowledgeable people having lived your life, have all the experience in the world behind you. And yet you can have a little child with the gift of wisdom come and say something that is just so much more impactful and powerful than anything that that other person with all the experience in the world could say, because the one is inspired by the power of God and the other is simply from human experience. Human experience is not to be discounted. 
However, do not discount someone who is young, someone who looks weak, someone who doesn't look smart or intellectual, because God may just give them a word of wisdom that is more important in a situation than any mature leader or anyone who is typically exalted could say. Right. That's what we must recognize. The spiritual gifts is God often uses people we don't expect. In fact, he loves to do that, by the way. He just loves using people that the Pharisee, the certain Pharisees, like in the first century, hated. Who are these fishermen? They are common men. That's how what they thought. Be careful to not think of anyone in this world. Who is this man? A common man. He's not he's not smart like me. God loves to use people like that sometimes even more powerfully than uh, who we would expect to be used powerfully. Right. Next gift is a word of knowledge. So I'll just give you a quick example of a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is when you get knowledge about someone or something that is not of yourself, that is a supernatural revelation. It is primarily typically to open doors for ministry. Really? So one day I was standing in a restaurant and I remember ordering a pizza and and there's a lady there is helping me right a waiter behind the 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 uh, the counter. And I prayed to the father as I'm standing there, you know, I'm busy, like paying and all that. But as I am, I'm, I'm praying to the father, Lord, is there anything you want me to know about this lady? Because I'm asking him in case he wants me to minister to her or something. And so I get this weird image in my mind and it's not like a voice from heaven or or a voice that's audible or anything like that, but it's it's simply a picture. And this picture is a picture of a baby toy. And I think to myself, honestly, my heart is beating. I'm like, why am I getting this? I don't know what to do with this. Is this even from my imagine just my own imagination? Or is this like from God? Like, like this is the things we would go through, right? But then I I know, I understand. It's so important to take risks. See, with all of the gifts, you have to take a risk. If you want to flow in the gift of healing, you better pray for like a hundred people who don't get healed. Like if you want to give words of knowledge, you better like give give like words of knowledge a bunch of times where you're wrong. Why? That doesn't make sense, does it? But it is true because how will you know what God's voice does not sound like if you haven't tried and seen, oh, that was not his voice. You see what I mean here? Like, like it's what if the only way for you to know whether that picture in your mind or that nudge from the Holy Spirit was of the Holy Spirit actually or of your own imagination. Sometimes the only way to figure that out is to take a chance and see. This is a reality and God is gracious and merciful and com- full of compassion for us to walk this out as long as we do it responsibly in humility. Look, man, if, if, if humility is there, there is no failure in the kingdom. If I go to someone and I feel like God has given me a word of knowledge for them and I propose it in a very humble way in that, hey, I'm still learning. I'm still figuring this out. I'm still learning to hear his voice. But is it this, this, this and this that God may be wanting to show you 
And if that person says, you know what, I don't really think so, no big deal. Like, because you framed it in humility and that you're learning, there is compassion. There is, oh, well, that's fine. No, you didn't hear her, perhaps, but then you go back and you're like, oh, wow. You don't go back and crying. Why, why didn't I get it right? No, you go back and you're like, wow, God, thank you. Lord, today you've taught me something. Father, today you've taught me what your voice doesn't sound like. So next time when I get a word, when I feel like he's prompting me, I'm going to have a little bit more discernment. I'm going to be a little bit more sure as to whether this is actually him nudging me. And then the next time you go and you you share a word because you're obedient still. You're not being dissuaded away from it. You're, you're still obedient. So you go and then you get it right. And it's like, wow, God, that was you. You spoke to me. God, thank you. I got it right. And then the next time, maybe you get it wrong again. And it's like, oh, God, I'm learning. But thank you, Lord. I, I know you have compassion on me and you're teaching me these things. And then the next time you you get it right again. And it's like, but you you grow in discernment. You grow in wisdom. You grow in sensitivity to the spirit. You grow in the gift. See, you want to grow in anything in this world. Even if you're gifted, you can be a gifted baseball thing, player, uh, whatever. Everyone knows just because you're gifted in something doesn't mean you shouldn't practice. Even if we're gifted by the spirit in an area, we have to go and exercise, learn. The, the disciples do not be ignorant. The disciples walked with Yeshua hand in hand. He taught them what to do, how to do it, how to incline the earth to the Father, how to pray for the sick. They observed him do it and in observing him do it, they learned. Yeshua then says you need to, you have the Holy Spirit to teach you, right? So even though Yeshua in the flesh is not with us, he has sent the Holy Spirit who will teach us spiritual things. That's what he was talking about. He was talking about the things of the Holy Spirit, which men cannot really teach. Look, I, I'm here sharing to help you. But if you think about what I'm doing here today, I'm not actually teaching you how what the voice of the Father sounds like. I'm only encouraging you to go and learn. That's all I'm doing here because I cannot teach you what the, the, the things of the spirit are in of its essence. I can only teach you go out and learn. And th these things will help you to learn those learn that. That's what I can do. But the Holy Spirit must be the one to teach you the, the deeper experience, the deeper um, um, understandings, the deeper discernments. And so that's so that's what gives us the ability one day, like Peter, to say, I don't have silver and gold, but rise up and walk. The reason that Peter did it in such confidence, that wasn't his first rodeo, right? That wasn't like the first time he ever tried his hand at praying for someone. So so after many, 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 many trainings, he came to a place where he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew God was going to heal that person. And so he had no problem being very bold and confident in his approach. But when we're still learning, we're not going to be that way. We're not going to be say like rise up and walk or thus is the Lord when we're not sure if the Lord has even spoken. Right. We are going to in humility approach our gift, learning it in humility. So back to that story, uh, I, I'm, I'm with that lady. I have the, the, the at the pizza shop. I have the picture of the baby toy in my mind and I'm thinking like, God, is this even you? But then I say, I take a chance, right? And I'm, I'm telling her, hey, is there a baby here? I know this is a weird question, but is there a baby here or something? And she looks at me like shock in her eyes. 
And she looks at her coworker. She gra- she pokes her coworker on the shoulder. And she's like, "He knows. He knows. She's pregnant, but she just found out, and she just told her coworker, and no one else knows. No one else knows. But here walks a stranger in the door, who just orders a pizza, and calls out the reality that he knows she has a pregnancy, a baby, and she's dumbfounded by that. But see." The reality is, is I didn't know the situation, but God does. That's what a word of knowledge does. It's a word of knowledge about someone else's life of something that you don't personally really know about, but it's enough to unlock the door. Because what happens next is um, I, I ask, well, can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, well, I appreciate that. Because, of course, you know, she's shocked by it. Like the Samaritan woman in Yeshua, Yeshua receives a word of knowledge uh, for the Samaritan woman saying, you're right, you, you don't, the, hus- the man you're with now is not your husband and you have many men you've, you're going through, right? And then she goes back to Samaria and what does she say? She says, he told me everything about my life and he's not supposed to know those things. He's a stranger to me. That was so crazy for her that it put such a fire in her heart that she became the first evangelist to Samaria about for the witness of the coming Messiah. That is a huge open door, is it not? All of Samaria hears the arrival of the king through a word of knowledge. And so this is what happens in that pizza shop because she is so rocked. This door is opened now by the spirit and she goes back to the the uh, this the way the pizzas are made in the kitchen and she goes and she cries out in the kitchen. Who is in here? Who needs prayer? There's a guy in the front. He just told me stuff about me that he's not that that no one else knows. Go and let him pray for you. And then people start guys. It's crazy. People start coming forward like the chef comes forward. I pray for him. He's got he's got he needs healing. He goes back. Another guy comes forward and I pray for him. He's got depression. Another guy comes forward like one comes in and out of the kitchen like this. They're coming forward to me and I'm there on the side. I'm praying for oh, I, I prayed for at least 10 people on the staff in that restaurant about I think about seven of them came from the kitchen. One was suicidal. There's all kinds of stuff. And that door is opened by a simple ask, a simple question. Is there a baby here? So don't tell me like it's not worth it. Don't tell me this here is is not worth the cost. You're like concerned with pe- what people may think of you. Who cares what people think? I thought you're dead to people. I thought that you have died and risen with him. You see, this is what Yeshua meant when he said, pick up your cross and follow me. He wasn't kidding. This is not optional. It's not like, you know, many, many people, even in Christianity, even people who are leaders, sometimes even even denominations have created theologies against all of what we're talking about here tonight because they don't like the challenge and the call of the Holy Spirit that is so difficult and calls for such sacrifice. But the reality is, is if you want to see the spirit move, you need to pay the price Yeshua did. You need to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God then will you not see the things that he has seen? You will without, I promise you, without a doubt, you will. But you need to be sacrificial and not let anything stop you in the pursuit of walking as he walked. So let's move on to 
the uh, next one discerning of spirits discerning spirits is simply being able to discern below the surface what is actually operating in someone's life there can be uh, a, a certain spirit so someone can operate by a spirit of greed or a spirit of lust or a spirit of hypocrisy or 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 a domineering spirit or a a whatever right whatever sin is operating in someone's life God can give you discernment as to what spirit is behind it so that you can be aided in ministering to them. Because sometimes people themselves don't know what's wrong. They are so used to their demons that they because they've been living with their demons for such a long time. They didn't even know they have demons in the first place. Secondly, even if they knew they had demons, they're not sure what demons they are fighting. And and so when we have a gift of discerning spirits, it's super important for us to approach this in great humility, like all the gifts, but especially here, because there's a time and a place for speaking. When, so when God gives you a discernment over something, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to share it. It may just be for yourself. And this goes regarding many things that God does. Sometimes he shares, he shows, he opens a door or whatever, but it's for you to know about and perhaps for someone else to know about, but you need to pray about the time and the place and the method of showing them that. And it's not to be taken advantage of. If God shows you something about a situation or a person, you cannot use that to your own advantage. That is satanic. You don't use it for your own gain. You don't use the gift of healing for your own gain, words of knowledge for your own gain, discerning of spirits for your own gain, speaking in tongues for your own gain, interpreting tongues for your own gain, prophet, whatever it is, gift, you don't use any of it for your own gain. That is satanic. You use it for the kingdom of God. When you use it for your own gain, God will judge you harshly for that. So we are careful to ensure that where our heart is regarding these things. That's where the discerning of spirits is. It's very useful with people in deliverance ministry. All right, the gift of faith, gift of belief. Gift of faith is a supernatural faith that God gives you in a moment about a situation, a trial, a tribulation. Um, and, and really, it goes hand in hand with with any of the other gifts. God can can and desires, by the way, to use us in multiple gifts. He does. We, we can start with one, but Yeshua operated in many. Paul operated in many. Uh, Peter operated in many. It is going to be good for us to operate in many. Paul, for example, says the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he might interpret. In other words, the one who has the gift of speaking in tongues should speak, should seek the gift of interpretation. Because that's going to be good for edification. The one who and I'll, and I'll add this, the one who who has the gift of healing should seek the gift of words of knowledge because it'd be very helpful to know who in the room God wants to heal right now. <laughs> right? Um, it has helped me so much just this last um, last week. I was in Oklahoma at a meeting and God put on my heart just a few. I was in a me big meeting where I was like 150, 200 kids. And it's like, well, God, how do I minister to 200 kids now? How do I just get to the one that you want to heal right now? There's many I can pray for, but how do I get to that one? Right. That's the challenge. Scalability and and having understanding the will and the desire of God. And, and so in that moment, leaning on his spear, letting him just point out so you can just be like this and this issue, you come here and then God heals that person miraculously, instantaneously as a sign to everyone else. And that helps 
that word of knowledge is imperative in that situation. Otherwise, it's it's going to be more not that the gift of healing isn't going to work, but it may not be as have as much precision because you're not really aware of the knowledge that of God where he is leading you of the person what, or maybe even what issue that person is facing that is stopping their healing from breaking through. If there is a certain issue that God needs to deal with in that person that he considers more important than the healing physically itself, because sometimes he's more concerned about our salvation than our physical healing, because what's the use of 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 being healed physically, but but not entering the kingdom of heaven. Right. So. Next, let's uh, think about uh, the the gift of prophecy. Now, the last three gift of prophecy, gift of tongues and gift of interpreting tongues. I'm going to spend a a few more extra minutes on because they are um, perhaps the most controversial of all of these. The the gift of prophecy is is a prophetic word that can be of future, right? It can be of something that God is going to do about something God is calling us to do. It can be for a congregation. It can be for an individual. It can be just for yourself. It can, but it's not necessarily predictive. It can also be prophetic in tying things together that have happened in the past to a present moment. For example, when Peter was in Acts chapter two, uh, speaking about the prophecy of Joel, which is an old prophet, and he's taking that prophecy and he's tying it to what is happening right in front of everyone when the people were speaking in tongues in that in that room. And he and that is a prophetic word as well that Peter is giving there, even though that may not be considered traditionally prophetic, that was prophetic as well. A prophet or a prophetic word is someone who is speaking um, as from the mouthpiece of God, and it's speaking things that are revelatory, revealing the word and desires of God. They are they can be encouragement. They can be a rebuke. Uh, they can they can come in many flavors, but they are often not popular, not what we would think about saying not about what we would want to say, because they're going to be difficult words oftentimes. That is why Yeshua said, you, O Israel, O Israel, you killed the prophets. See, it is popular for the people as a whole to deny the prophets their words and for prophets only to even be recognized as being prophets after they've died. And that is the the nature oftentimes of the prophetic words being delivered. People don't like it because it really is are words that at the at its epitome, really, there's there's few things that makes our flesh and the human ear that's connected to the human brain that that is carnal. There's few things that make that more uncomfortable than the voice of God himself coming through a person. And oftentimes that person on top of all of this is someone who we would not expect it to come from because that's what God what God prefers to do. So when we pursue a gift of prophecy, we have to be careful and responsible because 
and, and, and humble because ultimately we are as if we are if we are learning if we're new in this gift we're not going to be like thus says the lord this 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 or that no that would be extremely irresponsible. The, what Paul talks about in scripture is he says that the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means by definition, a prophet or uh, someone God is giving a word to is not going to be a lone wolf a, 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 apart from everyone else being like, well, I'm I've got these words from God and I don't care to hear what anyone else has to say or think about that. No, someone who is truly in this gift and who is being responsible with it will be submitting the words to others who are spiritually mature, who can help them in how to speak that out. And if it's from the word from the Lord. Now, those are two important things. Is it from God? And if it is, how do we communicate it? Because here's what many people don't understand. Many prophecies and prophetic words are actually from God, but they're delivered improperly. Okay, and then they are dismissed, not because and people think it's because it's not from the mouth of God. But actually, what sometimes happened is that someone is immature in the gift. So they 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 fail to understand and they fail to have accuracy and precision in their delivery, because it's one thing to have God speak to your heart something to reveal to you. See, see, this is how a prophetic word is. It's a burden. It's a it's a heaviness. It's something that is bubbling up. It's something that I feel I need to deliver to the body. Right. So you feel like this needs to come out of me. But we have to be responsible in 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 having restraint in order to submit it to our elders or spiritual headship, leadership, accountability, people we trust around us first. And 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 here's the other thing, then, secondly, is is how do I communicate what's on my heart? Because this burden and what it is, it's there, it's in my heart. But oh, God, how do I actually communicate this with precision the way you would? Because here's the problem we have. We have the heart and the spirit that we as humans have, but then we have the brain which the mouth is connected to. And sometimes we have too much interference from our brain. See, God can take over our mouths by the spirit. He does. He can do that. But when we're immature in the gift, our brain may have influence in what comes out of our mouth. And you, when the carnal mind has influence, that's when the, the word gets diluted. It gets it loses precision. It loses effectiveness and and it may even cause offense where it shouldn't have and where it wasn't God's heart to cause offense. See, God sometimes can, you know, desire a prophet to speak things that can offend people. However, there are also ways in delivering a message that God desires for us to do to not offend the hearer, because not everyone is to just be offended. You know, there are times when truth offends people, but you don't want to offend someone for the sake of it. And you don't want to offend someone when that's not God's desire or when it's not needed. Right. So with all this to simply say. This is a gift 
that takes, like all of the gifts, exercise, precision, and and it is in our in our maturity where we can grow in confidence in knowing that we know that God is speaking and speaking with that precision. But it begins with a heart of humility, as of all of the gifts, submitting to one another as we submit to Christ. Okay, the gift of tongues. So uh, let me just say this right off the bat. I have a speaking in tongues series on this YouTube channel on Rise on Fire. I really encourage you to watch the two part speaking in tongues series if you want to learn more about speaking in tongues. But I'll give you a short overview, considering that this is a controversial subject and considering that many of you who may listen to this may be unsure. And if you want a line by line, scripture by scripture, verse by verse overview, look at that teaching. For now, we're just going to have an, a, a quick overview. Speaking in tongues is described in the scriptures in two ways. We see first and foremostly in Acts chapter two, we see them speaking in a, another language, a foreign language that is a human language and people in that audience in Acts two, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they are astonished because they hear people speaking in their language, people who couldn't speak their language before, and they see this as a sign from God. He was reversing the curse of the Tower of Babel for the sake of ministry and the gospel going forth. So that first application we see clearly, and I think most people agree on that. Most people understand and agree that speaking in tongues is speaking in another foreign language for the sake of reaching um, groups, for the sake of ministry, for the sake of a sign. Paul, however, further goes to explain speaking in tongues. And he speaks to us saying that the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. Now, that's an interesting statement because that definition of the gift does not match Acts chapter two. That does not match because Acts chapter two, speaking in tongues was for the purpose of other people understanding what was being said in that other tongue. So they were speaking to men. Men did understand and they weren't speaking to God. But Paul says. The man who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. Isn't that interesting? Is there a contradiction? Of course not. There's simply a misunderstanding. Many of the gifts, in fact, I would say all of the gifts have different applications. The gift of healing, for example, has the application to be assigned to the unbeliever. To show them the grace and mercy and power of God, but also for the sake of simply bringing healing to someone in the fellowship who has cancer or any infirmity. And so in the same way, speaking in tongues has at least two different applications in a community setting, as in Acts chapter two is one where people understand by the tongue that is being spoken in a different language. But then there is another when you speak not to men, but to God. See, that is what Paul is talking about here. It is possible for you to speak to God in tongues as a prayer language. This is why when Paul instructs regarding speaking in tongues further, he says, when you speak in tongues, make sure that there's only one or two right in a at a time. In other words, you, you don't let everyone in the 
the fellowship speak at once and it's just chaos and disorder and all of this, but make sure that there's there one at a time and that there's an interpreter, someone who can understand what is being said. In other words, there's someone who is understanding the tongue in their own language or someone with the next gift to discuss the gift of interpretation of tongues. That is to to a, a spiritual supernatural gift that hears the tongue and not by their carnal mind or ear, but by the spirit, they receive an interpretation for what is being said. And then it brings edification to the assembly. Otherwise, someone's just speaking tongues, speaking tongues, speaking tongues. And if there's no interpretation, if there's no one who understands it, it does not bring edification to the assembly. In that case, as Paul then says, Paul says, let him rather be quiet and speak to himself and to God. See, Paul is there alluding to the the, the, the application of the gift where he is not speaking to where the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. That's the one who in that moment should rather. Hey, brother, you you're speaking in tongues to the assembly right now, and that's wonderful. But and when we, we're not seeing any interpreter right now. So that's amazing that right now is for you and the Lord. So go and speak to him, you and God alone. That is the other application of speaking in tongues. So. So in this sense, you know, people have been confused about this gift because they've tried to make it all fit into Acts chapter two, but they don't see and don't understand that the gift of tongues has an application that is edification either to the body in an assembly format or to you as an individual as you exercise it between you and God alone. And that distinction, both of those are biblical. I have been quoting scripture all the way through. But at the same time, I understand that some people have disagreed regarding what speaking in tongues is. I will ask you this. Do you have the gift operating in your assembly consistently, as we see in the book, uh, in Paul's letters, where he had to actually teach on proper application? He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul, speaking in tongues was a common practice in Paul's churches. That means it should be common in ours, at, at least done orderly, though. And if that's not common in our fellowships, that indicates bad doctrine because it is bad doctrine, bad theology that quenches the spirit. And so I would simply ask you to judge by the fruit and see, look at your life, look at your assemblies and see, do we have speaking tongues occurring? And if not, why not? Because there's something wrong. So. At the same time, I'll say this, that no matter, you know, we've been going through a lot of gifts. Some of these are are definitely considered controversial. People have disagreements over them. Look, I have friends who don't agree with me on safe speaking in tongues. That does not mean I can't fellowship with them. It breaks my heart. Just the other day, I heard about some people who, who have said about me saying, you know, they 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 can't, you know, support our ministry, for example, or come to our conference because, oh, well, I teach about speaking in tongues and that, you know, it's for today. And that breaks my heart because, to be honest with you, I if you even if you took the other side and say that speaking in tongues isn't for today, I'm not going to break fellowship over that. I'm not going to I'm not going to consider you uh, as being evil or, or something strange like that. Uh, 
we can we can disagree and still be brothers and sisters in God. So I'm saying this because unity is the point of the Holy Spirit. And if we allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to divide us, we miss the entire point and we shouldn't expect the Holy Spirit to move among us. So I desire the spirit to move among me, my friends, my family, my assemblies and everywhere I go. You desire that, too, I, I, I believe. So let's all hope for that unity and, and, and let iron sharpen iron, learn from one another. There are some gifts that I am not as knowledgeable in because I'm not gifted in all the gifts. But God has gifted me with the ability to have insight. And so I can teach on a certain level. But I need some of you guys and and some of you need me like we need each other because that's how we grow in all of the things of the spirit together. They will know us by the love that we have for one another. And if we have no love for one another, if we're going to divide and have disunity, we miss the point completely. And Yeshua is saddened. Yeshua is I would even dare argue if we put push disunity too far and divisions too far, it angers his heart. He says to the one who is a divider and full of division that that is an evil person. So let's make sure that we as people are humble. We don't ever bring in divisions, not regarding spiritual gifts, not regarding any other part of the word, unless it's on issues that are worth dividing over, such as who Yeshua is and things of that nature, but not about sub issues such as spiritual gifts. So I hope that this has been a blessing to you. This is how I want this to end. Look at this list of spiritual gifts that we have discussed today. And I want you to ask the father as we pray, Lord, which one of these do you want me to start with? Or if you've already been practicing a gift consistently and you've gained maturity, then ask him, Lord, which gift is next for me? Because if you do not have, perhaps it is because you do not ask. And today we're all going to come together and as the scripture says and ask. So, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit, as you've been here speaking and guiding, Father, I ask that you would guide your people in opening their eyes to the gift that you desire for them to operate in. Father, I pray, Lord, in fact, not for only one, but that we would all grow into multitudes of giftings so that many can come in to see the gospel so that the the those in our fellowships would be edified. Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that your gospel would go forth in this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So I would end with this. The purpose of the gifts is for the sake of the gospel. If the gospel is not preached, do not expect the spirit to move. And number two, the spirit desires to bring edification fellowships. This needs to become a part of our fellowships. The people, the assembly needs to be a part of our fellowships, equipped and active in their gifts so that we can edify one another and be bound together in love because it is an exercising by the spirit that we are bound together in love for one another, realizing and reminded of the love that we have for one another. So let's go ahead with a focus on the gospel again, because that's what's going to cause the Holy Spirit to move in our midst 
like never before. If this teaching has been a blessing to you, consider subscribing, partnering, liking this video. And I want to say a big, big thank you to everyone who partners with this ministry, making this video and every other video this week possible. I love you guys and I'll see you guys in the next one.